Hey, listeners, this is Marcia Epstein with Talk With Me in Lawrence, Kansas. And we are recording this show on Martin Luther King Jr. Day of 2018. And if there's anything more complicated than Martin Luther King Jr. Day in 2018, I guess it was the one in 2017 when we knew what was going to be happening soon. <laughs> the world has changed too much for my tastes in terms of the directions that we're having to, I'm going to say, fight each day. And I believe that we all make a difference. We all need to spread our kindness to people who we know and who we don't know, who we encounter in the days. Everybody needs that fuel. And I will tell you, it reflects back on you as well when you are able to do that, that kind of thing. And I'm, I'm going to share something from the other part of my work. I, I, my, my work, my being is social work, largely in suicide prevention, suicide bereavement support, and with trans and gender nonconforming uh, youth and adults. So I, I work in areas that aren't what everybody works in, and I have a real, really big, like national, international um, sort of community of people who do the kinds of work that I do, and that's really important to me. And I was recently. Uh, talking via keyboard with uh, Ken Norton in New Hampshire, who is the executive director of NAMI New Hampshire. Amongst other things, NAMI has developed, NAMI New Hampshire has developed incredible community-based programs for suicide prevention. But, but Ken and I were talking about something else, which is some legislation in New Hampshire that is to prevent this from being funded for people who are trans and gender nonconforming. And, and in his heart, his compassion, and his being, um, he knows that this is something that he and Nami need to fight against allowing this. And it's, and it's hard. And so um, we were exchanging some information as well as some other people in this big suicide prevention network. We're sharing some information to reinforce what he would say to his legislature. And I sent him a, a back channel note. I just said, hey, you know, I want to say thank you to you. And I thank you for being who you are, not just what you do, but being who you are. Because what I know is some of us, what we're doing out in the world is because it's who we are. It's, it's what comes naturally. And it's not easy. And we do it. And to me, it's really important to recognize that. And so I sent him a note thanking him for what he's doing in this case for a vulnerable set of people. And I got back a very long note thanking me and saying basically, at this moment, with everything going on in my state, your email couldn't have been more needed and appreciated, you know? And I'm saying that not to say, oh, I'm a great person or Ken Norton's a great person, although I believe Ken Norton is a great person. But my point is that my taking those few minutes to send him a note thanking him made a difference and does fuel his work. And that is something that is meaningful to me. So I'm saying that long thing about something that's not related to my guest today as directly as some other people, except that my guest today is Samantha Slupsky, who is a poet who identifies as a mental health advocate, who is open about her own experiences, and in doing that, gives other people hope and permission, inspiration, 
wonderful stuff. So I'm super excited. And I'm going to stop talking and say, <laughs> welcome, Samantha Snooksky. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Hi, thank you so much. I'm really glad to be talking to you because I know all of this is so important to you. And man, you are working so hard and doing things and being the person you are at a time when even being a woman is so hard and being a yeah. woman being heard is so hard. So, so I want to start by asking you to give people a little bit of background about you, who you are. Oh man. Uh, yeah. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, well, I grew up in Kansas, so, you know, I'm a Midwest girl at heart. Um, and I really, um, I don't know. I grew up in Johnson County and honestly, like to be honest on paper, I should have had very, uh, you know, kind of easy privileged life. I'm a, you know, white person. I, although I am a woman, I'd like to say that I still have a lot of like privilege under my belt. Um, but I also grew up with a father who's schizophrenic, um, and a mother who is, um, clinically depressed. And um, that really, I say unfortunately, but now I look back and I'm kind of more fortunate that that kind of framed um, my worldview, I guess, because mm-hmm. um, a lot of people never had or never have any sort of interaction with mental illness at all. Um, and so because that was something that I immediately grew up with, uh, that, that was like dialogue that was happening in my life really early on that just kind of like who framed that's like what framed me as a person, um, I guess. And so growing up, starting to experience it, like starting to experience my own mental illness and starting to experience um, my own conversations about that stuff, it really, um, I was trying to find ways to cope with the way that I was experiencing the world. And so I found that writing was kind of the way that I did that. Um, for me, there was just no other way that made sense except for writing it down because um, I didn't really feel like I had anybody to necessarily talk to about it because um, my parents certainly weren't going to understand. And, you know, I had therapists growing up, but they they don't necessarily listen the way that you want them to. Um, yeah. So there was just a lot of different situations in which I felt like writing was the only way that I could get out life that people kind of started to listen and relate. And, um and I really, truly believe that's because of, like, kind of the spoken word poetry world. Um, you know, you get on stage and you start talking about it and people will start listening. Uh, and mm-hmm. so that's kind of how I began. That's what started this whole experience and journey that I'm on now. So, yeah. Yeah. So how did you go from writing to getting on stage? Um, that's it's a actually, huge, brave, scary yeah. move. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I honestly don't know how I do it some days because <laughs> I am definitely, I was, I was the type of person in high school where like, it was like a group project where we had to do a speech or something and I would like get nauseous and almost throw up and it was awful. Um, and now I'm on stage like multiple times a week and I don't, uh-huh. it's so mind blowing to me, but, um, I, really it's as simple as one of my friends just told me like hey there's this open mic space um and i think that more people need to hear your work because he had read my work before and uh, he was like a 
pretty good friend that I trusted, and I had always thought about going to an open mic and had always thought about um, sharing my work, but I wasn't really sure where to do it, if there was any space that was welcoming enough, because um, that's, like, a really scary thing to do, uh, just going up and, like, spilling your traumas on a, into a microphone for a bunch of strangers, like, who wants to do that? <laughs> uh, turns out a lot of people want to do that. Um, and so I just got up on stage at Uptown Arts Bar um, in December of 2015, um, and I was just, like, a tiny little, like, I still felt like a toddler uh, uh, looking back now. I'm like, who was that person? Um, and I just, I went one Wednesday, one Wednesday night, and I have gone every single Wednesday night for the past, like, two and a half years since. So, cool. it's, so it's an addicting place. And not only that, but it's, you know, now I'm in charge of it, <laughs> which is wild. <laughs> so, yeah, it kind of, yeah. it transformed into a way I didn't think it would. Uh, but I'm really grateful for it every day so yeah so you say you know you started at uptown arts bar you've got a lot mm -hmm. of things that you're involved with right now and so yeah i i don't even know sort of where to start other than if we just go time wise what are what are just some of the things that people should be looking for to whether it's to um submit poetry for something to mm -hmm. Um, sign up at an open mic to be there in the audience. What are some of the things that are coming up even, you know, in January, February, March, you know, kind of on the Sumish side that you want to yeah. people know about? Uh, well, the open mic that I'm talking about is the Poetic Underground open mic, which happens every single Wednesday at Uptown Arts Bar in Kansas City. Um, and that is just like the, a home for so many people. Um, we mm -hmm. have been getting packed houses every single night um, for the past few months, which is amazing. Um, I have just continuously seen like friendships blossomed in that space. I've seen healing happen in that space. Um, and it just like continually, it, it just, it's amazing. It's an amazing space for people who have uh -huh. never read poetry before, who have never listened to poetry before. Um, just like, or people who have been doing poetry for years. Um, it's just, yeah. it's a very diverse space, very welcoming space. We kind of like to coin the term safe space for that open mic. You know, we want to make sure that everybody, um, just feels as welcome as possible there. Um, and so that's the open mic. Um, and then, uh, the first Wednesday of every month is the Slam, uh, Kansas City Poetry Slam, and that is more of the competitive side of poetry. Um, so it's really as simple as that. There's just, if you want to come and have your poetry judged by a bunch of strangers, that's where you go. <laughs> um, which I know sounds really terrifying, but it's actually, it's pretty cool. It's a really good way to get feedback. Um, it's a really good way to start conversations um, about bigger topics. Um, mm -hmm. And I think so that space really serves a really important purpose. Um, uh -huh. But just, uh, there's just, a, I, mean, I don't know, there's stuff going on all the time in, in King City and nationally. There's a bunch of um, things happening weekly. Um, I'm really excited because in March, I'm actually going on my first tour. So that's really terrifying and exciting. Um, <laughs> but, so that's cool. Um, 
There's we. Where are some of the places you'll be? Um, I'm going to Portland. I'm going to Portland. I'm going to Austin. Um, I'm going to Omaha and Fayetteville. Um, I am in the process of emailing about a show in Denver. So I'm kind of just going all over the place. Awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, but um, yeah. So there's that, and then kind of more locally, I so this past. In 2017, I was awarded an Arts KC um, Inspiration Grant, which was super amazing. Um, I'm still kind of blown away by that. But my whole goal with that was to create a um, free workshop space for writers in the city to come in and kind of just workshop their work, you know, um, just kind of hone in on their little literary skills, hone in on um, just like starting to have conversations about their work, because I think that's something that's really lacking. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. we can go up on stage and say our piece, and then um, someone can come up to us and be like, hey, I really like that. But then it's like, okay, well, why did you like that? Or why did you not like that? And so it's a place to have um, critical kind of thinking in that regard. Um, But the reason why it's so special, um, for me anyway, is because I am really passionate about making sure that artists and poets specifically are getting paid for their work. Um, And so I, uh, but also keeping these workshops free for everybody else, hence where the workshop comes in. Um, And so I bring poets that I've met nationally, internationally that um, I believe have a really important story um, and that have really important work um, that I think has a space where everybody can relate to it. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I bring in poets from um, this year. I brought one in from Texas and I brought um, in March, we're bringing in a poet from Louisiana. Um, and both of them are super amazing people, uh, super amazing so who poets. Who are those people? Um, one, the who first poet that I brought in November, his name is Lino. Um, he is from Bryan College Station, Texas. And he he is the, uh, there's another uh, open mic situation that's going on in Bryan, and it's called Mic Check. And he helped, he's the president of Mic Check. Um, and so he, and he was a um Right, bloody publishing finalist. So he's gonna be have he's gonna have a book out um, with Right Bloody, which if you don't know who Right Bloody Publishing, all of their authors who are under that publishing house are incredible poets, incredible people. Um, and yeah, I would definitely recommend them if you're just looking to dip your toe into poetry. Um, and then in March we're bringing in Desiree Del Jackmo. And she is just, if you just want to talk about, like, a badass woman, that is the person. Um, She has a lot of really important conversations about, like, body positivity and mental health advocacy um, and just feminism in general. Um, She just has a lot of important things to say. Um, And she works for a nonprofit in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um, She works with youth poets, um, which I don't think there's any... Job that's more important than that one right there. Um, so yeah. she just she does a lot of really cool stuff. And so those two poets, I asked them um, if they wanted to come to Kansas City and kind of share their story and share their work and um, mm-hmm. help us kind of hone in on our skills um, because they they're successful. And so we you know I just want 
I think one of the main things that has been really interesting for me is that a lot of people people ask me like, hey, Sam, so what do you do? And I'm like, oh, well, I'm a poet. And they're like, what? How are you a poet? And I'm like, <laughs> well, there's actually a lot of stuff that you can do when, when you're like, you can be a successful writer and a successful poet. You just have to, you know, do the work. Um, uh-huh. And that's, you know, I've kind of dedicated my whole dang life to this and I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, so, so that's one really important. The, so yeah, the middle of the mic stuff funded by Arts KC. That's been um, my biggest project as of late. Um, I, me, and another poet in the city, uh, Caitlin Daly. Her stage name is August Day. Um, we now are the co-directors for a nonprofit called Chameleon. Um, and Jeanette Powers and Hugh Merrill kind of handed off the reins to us because, um, you know, they are off doing giant, huge, amazing things. And um, they're both really passionate about using their knowledge and just being mentors for people younger than them because that's how you keep these programs, these projects, these organizations going as you mm-hmm. put them in the hands of people younger so that they can keep it going mm-hmm. because they have energy, <laughs> um, you know, and they, so they love, we've kind of changed the mission a little bit to just be towards poetry um, because with Chameleon under Jeanette and Hugh, they were really passionate about like all of the arts, which I absolutely agree with. Um, but me and Caitlin really see a huge need for the support of poetry. Um, because there are a lot of people who think that poetry is kind of like the redheaded stepchild of the arts. Um, yes. Yeah. You know, it's not as it's not seen as legitimate. Um, you know, that's why people look at me and they're like, "Poet? What?" Um, but it is well, yeah, really legitimate. And, and and what I've noticed in my own community here in Lawrence, there's the Cultural Arts Commission, and there are all these arts groups, and historically. They didn't consider any of the written arts, right? And so, once I started connecting with poets and other artists, not only written artists, but but I also started talking about that at a variety of different um, meetings. You know, whatever mm-hmm. kinds of groups that were talking about art things, with that broken record of written art is art. And so when you talk right. about community mm-hmm. art projects, let's make sure we're also including written art. You know, that, right, absolutely. Yeah, if you're an arts group promoting arts, promote readings and all these other things that are also happening on the written side, you know? And so it's right. always complicated because we don't have good language for that because still so many people think of art as somehow more you know, visual art, painting, sculpture, even right. music Absolutely. and dance. And so to remind people again and again that that theater and drag and poetry and all, there are all these things that are mm-hmm. also art. Anyway, that's, yeah, that's absolutely. one of my things. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, and so with Chameleon, we really, um, you know, our mission statement just is like we are dedicated to community building through poetry um that's Mm -hmm. the thing that i've witnessed the most with being like the executive producer of poetic underground and the slam master king city poetry slam is like these are communities these are people coming into a space being a part of that space and 
then going out into the world and still being connected because of that space. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, that is what community is. Um, you know, yes. you, you're, you're networking, you're meeting people, you're making friends just by being in those spaces. Um, and, you know, just because of the world we live in, um, to keep those spaces going, you need money. And to get yes. money in the arts, you need a nonprofit. <laughs> you know, that's just yeah. kind of how it works. Um, and so that's, we are really committed to, like, keep on, we want to keep bringing like national and international poets to Kansas City. We want to keep bringing our local poets to national stages. We want to just Mm -hmm. keep making sure that that exchange of art is happening across many different platforms. Um, Because, you know, that's how we want people to be heard because everybody has a really important story to tell. Um, And so we want to make that possible for people. Um, So that's, like, really... Oh, but I, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's, um, I guess, Chameleon's first really um, project that we're kind of working towards is getting one of our local poets to the Woman of the World um, Poetry Slam that's in Dallas, uh-huh. Texas, um, this March. Um, and uh, the representative we have from Kansas City, her name is Katie Clare, um, and then also Sherry Hall is going to represent as well. Um, so it's really cool that we have two representatives from Kansas City. Um, you know, the more people that come from here, the more people know that Kansas City is an actual place and not just a field of wheat or whatever people on the coast yeah. think we are. Um, <laughs> um, so, Although, I, I don't want to... I don't want to say too much about this right now, but I think that with the past two years and what's coming up in 2018 with three-day poetry festival that mm-hmm. was initially the Kansas City Poetry Throwdown and now is Mountain Verse, um, that that there are people who are thrilled to be coming to Kansas City to be part of yeah. this three-day event. And Absolutely. Feel, very disappointed that they are not able to do it because thoughts get filled. You know? Yeah. So it's, it's definitely the narrative has changed a lot. Yeah. 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 It's, it's amazing. And, you know, there have been so many amazing people that have really put a lot of work into nurturing the literary scene here in Kansas City. Um, and, you know, it's because of those people that people see like the amazing home that we have here and you know I've been yeah. to a lot of places and I don't think there's any other city that has more hometown pride than Kansas City uh you know and just, right. um I think that we've been really trying to make that known to everybody around mm-hmm. so people are starting to listen um yeah, but yeah cool. so it's really exciting that we're going to Women of the World Poetry Slam um and I have like a really special place in my heart for that festival um in particular because we don't we're not really uh bogged down by the it's just a it's a woman's fest it's a femme fest it's you know all female identifying humans in one place um and that's really beautiful for me because poetry uh for a while was a man's game i think uh it can be um I don't want to put that as a blanket generalized statement, but, you know, whenever I was in grade school learning about poetry, it was, you know, old white men. (laughs) Um, And so that's, you know, in a lot of the poetry scenes, um, not even just in Kansas City, but around were kind of run by men. And 
that's I'm really passionate about kind of changing that narrative just you know even in our freaking political climate you know there's women are still not where we need to be necessarily in terms of the where we are in the eyes of others <laughs> and so the women of the world poetry slam is really important to me because it's a place where we can be heard um and are seen and that's really important because you know i went to the national poetry slam and texas grand slam last year and it was still very male dominated and there's mm-hmm. just there's still just something about that that just bothers me a little bit <laughs> yeah you know yeah. um so those are you know but those are conversations that are being had um all around like across social media in person i've been really trying to have those conversations with a bunch of people and like understand the importance of like why this like national poetry slam exists like for femmes um and just kind of what that means and all that stuff it's just so it's a really important space and i'm really glad that king city gets to be a part of it so yeah yeah so I want to take a break from talking about things that you do <laughs> and ask you to share some of your poetry. Yeah, I would be happy to. Um, Thank you. I actually have a poem that's pretty relevant um, to what I was just talking about. Um, I, in the age of the Me Too movement, I think every person that I know has kind of written a poem about it. Um, and I did as well. And so I think it's um really important thing to keep talking about. So I will start with this one. I scroll and see the breaking. I see the stories of consumption. I see the women who've been reduced to wreckage. Woman walks into a poetry slam, steps onto a stage and seen as less than, speaks of her shambles. Audience applauds the pain. She's given lower scores. We've seen this before. Man walks onto a stage and talks about another woman's wreckage, thinks he is so strong for holding her up, or the way us women exist in our own bodies, or how they have saved women, as if we need saving at all. Man walks into a poem and sees how many women he can get to crawl inside. Man walks into our bodies and sees it as something for the taking. Man walks into the room like a beast hungry for prey. We've seen this before. I scroll and see the rallying cry of all the women around me. Me too. I see it burned into their skin, and I wonder how many men around me have done the branding. Your mother's room and tell her the tale of my first burn. She doesn't believe me. I walk into my therapist's office and admit the defeat of my nine-year-old body. Me too. It took me years to admit that this predator caught me. That I was nothing but a meal to be devoured. We've seen this before. I walk into a bar or down the street or into the party or into a grocery store or into my own home and wonder how many times I've almost burned, almost devoured. Wonder how many men looked at me with hungry eyes behind my back without me knowing and thought I was a feast for their consumption. I walk down the street at night and wonder how many men I pass that will see me as the moon wonder what I will have to do to avoid the howling. So I find ways to where the skin is indigestible. I wear the skin is indigestible. I swim into a bottle of vodka and he follows me inside, swims alongside me all night until he notices I am drowning. He thinks he can save me. 
thinks my intoxication is an invitation. We've all seen this before. We keep the lights on in hopes that he does not see us as a hole he can crawl into. We keep our mouth shut in hopes that he cannot hear, but now it's time for us to scream. Me too. Me too. Me too. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> There's so much you know, in, in our email and, you know, the that I sent you that, I mean, it's, it's, it's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And I think for people who have had some experience with whatever kinds of sexual violence, sometimes we just almost can't hear it anymore. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, right. I don't want to look mm-hmm. at the news. I don't want to hear the voice of the person in the White House. I don't. You know, it, yeah. and it's, it's, to me, it's this dilemma of, I, I need to know, and I need to do things that I can do, but sometimes for my own sanity, for my own self-care, I have to, like, I can't, I can't do this. Yeah, right now. And absolutely. I, unfortunately, sometimes... And I can only speak as a woman, but I think sometimes we feel guilty about that, right? That, you know, I should be doing more, I should yeah. do more to, to help protect other people, to help make this stop. But sometimes I can't. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I totally relate to that. Yesterday I spent most of my morning scrolling through Twitter, kind of seeing the response of all the these on sorry stuff. But, um, you uh-huh. know, there was a point in the day where I just, I literally had to put away my phone and I had people texting me and messaging me and I just like couldn't respond. I was like, I do not have the emotional energy to be engaging in online conversations right now. Like I just, I want to be present. I want to be face to face. Um, Cause I have a whole other feeling about um, being accessible via the internet all the time. Um, that's like a whole other thing, but um, yeah. It's like really, it's really exhausting, um, you know, and seeing everybody's commentary on this and seeing the people that agree, seeing the people that don't or anywhere in between. It's just, it, you're right, it is exhausting, um, mm-hmm. you know, and I had someone on my Facebook being like, well, what do you expect? Uh, and I was like, well, I'd like to not expect it, right. you know, yeah. Um, yeah. and that's like really the tiring part of it it's like yeah we are kind of in a world where I you know I feel like I turn my back and it's like you know you almost have to expect it you know like I say in my poem like I walk down the street and I'm like or just like literally even into my own house like there has been situations in which like I've walked into my own home and like not felt safe because of like someone that was there and it's like yeah. it's just this it's really it's really really tiring yeah. um but, you know, it, there's still, just because it is tiring, we have to have these conversations. We have to keep informing people, educating people, um, and having these conversations because nothing's going to change if we don't. Um, so, yeah. but definitely it, I'm an advocate for self-care, and so taking breaks is necessary. <laughs> taking yeah, care of your mental yeah. health is necessary. So Yeah. Yeah. And it, I think for me it also gets complicated we don't like to say this out loud, but although, yes, people need to be believed, occasionally there will be somebody who intentionally 
creates a story to work against protecting other people from sexual violence. Some, there will be some lies, and it's and that's that's not like a popular opinion, but right. I've seen it happen in other ways that mm-hmm. a terrible experience gets discredited by somebody who creates a false scenario. Right. That discredits that people could have that experience. You know, yeah. and, and so it gets so complicated. You know, even referencing back to, to the conversation I started the show with related to legislation in New Hampshire, apparently there are mm-hmm. some people who are the um, star witnesses against gender surgeries for people who are mm-hmm. trans and gender nonconforming, who are people mm-hmm. who are trans and gender nonconforming. And so they're given ability beyond somebody else, but they're intentionally working against supporting other people who are trans and gender nonconforming. It's like, oh man. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think that's honestly probably the most exhausting part for me is that the fact that there is so many different opinions on like this one core conversation. Uh, that's one of the reasons why Twitter is really exhausting for me because everybody can kind of attach their opinion to one tweet um, and it's just this giant thread of thoughts and opinions of just like varying backgrounds and like everybody just has something to say and for me that's like the most exhausting part because and I really try and like I try and listen to everybody as much as I can because you know we all have different walks of life we don't know where we're coming from you know I kind of like to play the like be kind for everybody like it's fighting their own battle type of mindset Mm -hmm. Um, but it's definitely can become exhausting when it kind of feels like the people that should be on your side or not. Yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of like, well, what do we do then? Um, yeah. It's like our own people are not with us and who, you know, what are we even doing? It's, it's a complicated, it's really complicated and it's, it's a really weird time that we live in. <laughs> it is. Um, it is. And I want to jump so, back to you and your poetry because that is one of the yeah. ways that you get messages to Absolutely. people through your poetry with you at the stage. So how about yeah. another poem? Yeah. Um, kind of going in the realm of self-care and me being um, identifying as a mental health advocate. Um, I definitely I suffer from anxiety and PTSD. Um, and I have a really hard time being still because of that. Um, you know, like you say, I'm doing a lot of things and a lot of that is because I don't know how to not be busy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, and that's kind of a weird coping mechanism. If I'm busy, then I don't have to really deal with anything. I can just kind of stay out of my own head. Um, but recently I, um, had pneumonia for about two months. Um, and it was awful. And I was like, and I kept going to the doctor, like, why am I so sick all the time? Like, what, what is wrong with me? And they did all these tests and they're like, I don't know, you're just sick. And then kind of, I had to like step outside of myself and be like, Oh, I'm like driving my body into sickness because of stress. Um, and so I, you know, I preach self-care all the time, but I have a really hard time following it myself. Um, so I kind of wrote a poem about that as a big preface for, uh, yeah, so, um, 
I've been sick for almost two months now, and every time I cough, I know this is another trauma trying to find its way out. And when I see the blood that comes out, I think of my mother. I think of how she always had to keep moving, always had blood running out of her because at least it was a sign she was still alive, but, but the body can only lose so much blood until it stops being a body. So whenever I cough up blood, I swallow more cough syrup in hopes the pain won't find its way back up. I know my body is telling me I need to slow down or take a breath or stop drinking so much cough syrup, but I don't know how to do this because my restless body is always telling me to move, like run away from my problems, run my body down to the bone, tells me to swallow things that don't know how to come up quite yet, so I find ways to keep moving so that the shame can sweat itself off. But when I start to see the blood come back up, I know this is my body telling me I have to sit in the silence for a while. And I'm scared because silence and feeling have the same address, and I've never been very good at making a home there. There's no comfort where the wound is, but I'm forced to lay in bed now, crawl inside these sheets that are covered in blood, forced to lay in a bed of silence with all the things that sit inside my lungs. Because if I keep running around trying to avoid all the trauma, there may not be any bones or breasts left. Wow. Thanks. <laughs> So that's a new one. I'm thinking since this movie has been sick. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I wrote that last week. Uh, very, it's unedited. Y'all get unedited content. <laughs> All right. We're honored. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And a, a side thing that's on my mind is I remember hearing you talk about being influenced, encouraged by the way you were affected by other poets and in particular oh, absolutely being one of those so yes. who are some of those people who right now you would say hey make sure you you expose yourself to this person's poetry oh man there are so many um right now i so I, you know, like you said, Andrea Gibson, I always recommend. Um, they just came out with a new album, a new record, Hey Galaxy, and I listened to it in full yesterday, and I died a little bit because it was so amazing. Um, uh, uh, it was really and Andrea amazing. Andrea Gibson is going to be here in Lawrence at the Lead Center on January. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Got so those tickets. Right Everybody can come All hang right. out with me there. <laughs> All right. um, so... Yeah, Andrea Gibson. Um, there is this poet named uh, Kaba Akbar, who everybody, I would say, um, so the way you spell that name is K-A-V-E-H-A-K-B-A-R. Um, and he's on Twitter. Um, and he has a book um, called Calling a Wolf a Wolf. Um, and he does this thing on Twitter where he posts a poem every single day. Um, he, like, basically poetry's biggest advocate like he's like hey everybody look at these amazing poets um and like read all of these poems but he's actually like a really amazing poet himself um and so i would definitely recommend him he um he talks a lot about like the experiences of like people of color um and he, his conversations are always really productive um also desiree doll giacomo who I'm bringing in March, I think that she's a really important um, voice to hear. She actually has a podcast um, in Louisiana called Draw, um, and she talks to Southern poets um, 
and she really has a lot of good things to say. Um, I would also recommend Olivia Gatwood. Um, she is just like a amazing little spunky voice of female like magic. Um, uh-huh. She her book. Um, what is her book called? Oh my goodness, I am spacing on her book name. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, oh, it's a new American best friend. That's her book name. Yeah, it's her. She talks a lot about like her experience as a woman, um, and so she, I think her voice is really important, kind of in these times. Um, there's just so many. I those are really the people. Oh, the last one that I would really um, Hanif Abdurraqib. He um, just put out a book of essays called "They Can't Kill Us Until They Kill Us," um, and his commentary on just like the world we live in right now is probably some of the most important commentary that I've read to date. Um, he really presents all of the things that are happening in a really relatable way, um, which is something I really appreciate as someone who like kind of has a hard time processing everything that's happening. He like kind of breaks it down. His writing is something that's kind of digestible um, when a lot of those, I think the things that we read are not as digestible. So, um, I would definitely recommend him as well. There's there's just so many. Um, and I'm I, going to interrupt you just because that name that you just said, can you um, either, well, how about after we record, send me a little note with his name spelled so I can make sure. Yeah, yeah. Cool. It's, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, right. it's a complicated name. But yeah, so. So here's here's a question yeah, for you. What, what can mm-hmm. we do? to continue to connect and elevate poetry, poets who are not cisgender white men. I'll just leave it at that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I mean, my, one of the things that my, one of my 2018 resolutions um, is to just like buy books um, Mm -hmm. from women. And specifically I've been really, um, passionate about buying books from women, people like women of color. Um, mm-hmm. That's something that I've been really, like right now my Amazon wish list uh, sets at about $140 of books that mm-hmm. I am wanting to buy. Um, so like that's one like surefire way, like if you want to support like female poets, like buy the book. That's like yeah. the easiest way to do it. Um, yes. Um, and then just like... I just go to open mics, um, you know, go to poetry slams, go if, you know, there are women that are on tour, there are femmes on tour, if there are non-conforming people on tour, like, go to their show. Just, like, show them your support. They want you to show up. We want you to show up um, and, like, have conversations with us. I think that's one of the things that I, like, have really been thinking about um, is, like, as a poet, like, when we are at a show, um, sometimes we don't want to just be, we don't just want to talk about poetry, like, we're humans, we have other interests, and this is something that I uh, was brought to my attention, Desiree did uh, a show about, or did a podcast about this with Neil Hilborn, um, another good poet, um, about, like, what is something kind of, like, off-brand that we talk about, because kind of as, like, poets and artists, we have this, like, brand that we find ourselves falling into, like me, like, sad, like, traumatized mental health advocate poet. That's kind of what 
my brand has seemed to be uh, lately. Um, but, you know, like, we just want to, like, talk to people. Like, ask us about our favorite band. Ask about, like, something silly. I don't know. Like, you know, we just, like, we want to keep having con- – and, like, or just talk talk to us about, like, what our story is, you know, because even though we go up on stage and kind of talk about what our story – like, we say what our story is, it's not always – there's more to it than just our poem, you know? Right. So just like have conversations with us, buy our book, buy everybody's, buy everybody's everything. Uh, During those slams, I like tell people to tip the bartender a million dollars, like give your millions of dollars to books. You know, we don't, nobody has Uh a million dollars. Who am I joking? But, but yeah, so just that's kind of my, you know, if you can go to Dallas, go to Women of the World Poetry Slam. <laughs> you know, that's mm-hmm. it's an eight-hour eight drive. It's still a long drive. But, you know, we just, like, show up for each other is probably, like, the biggest piece of advice that I have. Like, we just need to continuously show up for each other in whatever way we can. Um, yeah. So. And, I, and I will add to that, I think that I do have some people who are men, who are poets, who are very dear to me. Mm-hmm. And I ask of them to just accept that they can easily take up all the air in the room and they need to make conscious efforts to include other people. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's not to say that like there are not men who aren't advocates for women because they're at, like, I know some amazing men who stand up for women and or non like binary people who very much like help us, <laughs> you know, I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but um, a lot of people, you know, I, I definitely have put on Facebook a couple times, like men are trash, <laughs> like, let's be honest, but like, there are definitely, there are people that I do know personally and that I see in the world who are like doing good work mm-hmm. for women and support women. Um, and so I don't want to disqualify that. Like that's still, that's definitely something that's present, but I just don't think it's something that's seen as often or mm-hmm. um, is talked about as much. Um, but you know, there's um, men out there, just be aware of your surroundings don't you know that's something I think that a lot of people need to be reminded is just be aware of how you enter a space and what your uh, kind of role in that space is Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how about another poem from you okay yeah Uh, let's see I have been really trying to figure out what it is to be a uh, 20-something in this uh, age and, like, kind of how to experience human emotion at its fullest. And I'm not – I'm still learning how to do that, but this poem is kind of me figuring out that process. Um, to be 20-something and human is to realize you have a body. It is to live inside that body that is covered in scars and bruises. It is to live inside a body that doesn't feel like the gift it is most days. It is to live inside a body that doesn't feel like amen, doesn't feel like the holy space that it is. It is to live inside a body and not know how to let people be a body beside your body. It is to live inside a body and forget that your body knows how to breathe on its own. 
is to live inside that body and feel shame cover you like a second skin is to give your loved ones advice that you cannot offer yourself like you know you have to be honest in order to be known or you do not yet know how to let someone love you or you do not yet know that grief sits inside of your bones even though you've never lost anything that requires grief but who's to say what requires grief like one time I let a cactus die and I cried for two hours straight because I was convinced I would never be able to take care of anything again. And what I mean is cactuses don't need much, just like humans don't need much. But it isn't until you've gone weeks without water or air or love that you realize you need a lot more love than you let on most days. By this, I mean to be 20-something and human is to feel like you were too much most days. It is to peel off that shame skin and hope that someone can love what lies underneath it is to sit inside that skin and not feel at home most days, which is to say that you are completely human, that home isn't a single place most days, and you will one day know how to be honest about how human you look, and someone will look at you and ask to be a body next to your body, and you will one day be another's amen. Thanks. Mm, yeah, I'm still working oh, that, on that one too. I'm giving you all a lot of unedited content. <laughs> that's awesome for people to hear these new yeah. things that you're coming with. I want to ask you, what are some of the things in addition to what looks obviously like poetry, what are some of the other things that fuel you? And when I say what looks like poetry, I mean, obviously elevating other people, creating safe spaces. Mm -hmm. poetry there there are all these things you do including your writing and performing that i'm going to lump mm -hmm. into the poetry side what are some other things that really fuel you that excite you that that give you the energy to do things to love life oh man <sighs> um this isn't necessarily it's still art related but not necessarily poetry related but um i have a second job. Um, I work at this art studio in Kansas City called Imagine That, um, where we work with um, developmentally disabled adults. Um, and we uh, kind of have, we have this studio space and we create this space for these um, adults who are like very amazing artists. We come in mm -hmm. uh, and kind of support them um, in making that art. Like we kind of um, assist them in whatever ways that they need um and it's really it's really really beautiful um like helping like these people who are like amazing artists um like some of them i i don't know how they're not famous artists yet like they're uh -huh. so beautiful um but just like that's like a whole other walk of life that i think a lot of people don't interact with often um uh -huh. you know it's um it's complicated work and it's hard work, um, but it, that's definitely something that kind of, I think I, I just like helping people. I don't know. I think that's really what it comes down to, um, you know, because even in my poetry world, um, I try to just keep these safe spaces open um, for people to come and be like their most honest self because um, that's what I needed. And uh -huh. I got that for myself. And now if I could just keep creating those spaces for people, then, like, that's why I'm here. Um, you know, we've seen some, like, 
amazing life-changing things happen at arts bar like um we've had people like come out like on stage we've had um just like people admitting like something that they've never said out loud before um you know and then they burst out into tears later and then we all just kind of um gather around them and give them like the love that they've been looking for um and that's like really for me opening up those spaces for people to be like their selves um you know because that's Mm -hmm. what i do in poetry that's what i do in my day job um and like i guess that's i never really thought about it but i guess that's really what kind of that's what does it for me i guess (laughs) Mm -hmm. well how about in a different kind of a way like i think about one of the things that that Jeanette Powers will talk about is her love of mm-hmm. the river. You know, are there are there some totally not um, art space things that you think of as like actually that is one of the things that nourishes me? Hmm. Um. I this well. This is really because I'm on the phone looking at my kitchen. I think how uh, this is probably totally ridiculous, but honestly, cooking uh-huh. kind of like cooking for the people that I love that really is something that I have found a lot of joy in. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and I don't know if that's like necessarily the answer you're looking for, but I'm like looking at my kitchen right now and I was thinking about how last night I was like making dinner. Um, and I was like making dinner for like somebody that I love, and it really like made me feel a lot of joy. And that, yeah, is, like yeah. something in you know just something as simple as that, I guess, really kind of nurtures my life. You know, I I always try and like make food for all of my friends, and I always like I don't know. That's something that I have found a lot of joy in. I guess um, creating like sus- like sustenance for people I don't know it's a nurturing people with food nurtures my my little soul I guess okay and I'm gonna promise you about at least one thing that's really nurturing for you and really focused on you oh man I know that's a hard one what is nurturing for me I for me hmm that's so, I guess I never really think about what I do for myself. <laughs> that's a whole other, that's a, I don't know. I, you know, I read for myself and I, when I'm trying, I'm trying to think about kind of like whenever I'm like, oh, I need like to practice self-care today, what that looks like. And usually it looks like me like either sitting at a coffee shop and just like reading to myself or that looks like me being in bed and like reading and doing a face mask and like just kind of breathing for myself or like honestly even me going to the gym like just to take care of my body um in that way which um I think I guess I never really think about what it is that I do for me um it really I really just I think maybe reading is the only space that I have where it's just like me, myself, and I. I'm not thinking about taking care of others. I'm just mm-hmm. thinking about like nurturing my brain um, mm-hmm. and like kind of filling my heart with other people's stories. I think that's that would probably be my answer is reading. Okay. Um, that's what I do. Is for myself, there anything I guess. like a f- kind of a favorite 
fragrance that like this is something that's really calming for me that I might suit you know seek out a bar of soap that has the scent or a candle or something like that. Yeah, uh so every <laughs> I actually did it this year. Every Christmas I like stock up on um the Bath and Body Works twisted peppermint candle. Um because it peppermint is like my thing. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's probably yeah the fragrance. That's probably a fragrance that if I'm like hanging out, reading, like chilling by myself, trying to just feel good, I will light that candle. And I like stocked up on that candle this year because right. I run out of it. So yeah, that's yeah, that's that might be silly, but that's definitely that's, that's perfect. That's my thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, mints, mints. Do you like to eat mint things? Do I what? Like the flavor? You like the flavor of mint? Like Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Right. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's good. It's good to to be able to, you know, think about, yeah, actually that that is an extra thing that's really just for me. Yeah. Making that reading even more perfect is with that mint candle burning beside me. Mm-hmm. Definitely. <laughs> All right. So if people want to do something nice for Samantha Slupski, bring her some fabulous <laughs> mint something or other. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mint chocolate chip ice cream, like <laughs> just a peppermint. Just bring me a peppermint and I'll be happy. Yeah. <laughs> and and buy the book, right? So you, you have the book that came out through EMP, What Sits Between My Veins. Do you have something else in print at this moment or coming soon? I am working through a manuscript. Don't know when that's going to be done. I, uh, you know, my focus has been tour recently, so kind of putting together that manuscript has been on the back burner. But I do have what sits between my veins. Uh, I have copies of it um, still left, um, so that's always available. But in terms of re- recent work, that is still to come. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, but a lot of my stuff has been published on um, the internet. So if you go to my website, you can find where all of those places are. So Right, but I want them to spend some money too. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. I mean, I have a PayPal account. Just like drop $5 in there. But honestly, <laughs> honestly, if you, you if you if you want to support, um, I would recommend. So right now, for the month of January, um, Chameleon Arts, um, we're doing a fundraiser, well, we call it a friend raiser because we pretty much just are reaching out to all our friends and family and all that stuff. Um, but we are doing like our chameleon launch fundraiser for the month of January. And we actually, um, it's already fully funded, which is amazing. Uh, we had a goal of $1,000 and we um, exceeded that within six days, <laughs> which was uh-huh. wild. Um, but we're still taking donations because, you know, poetry is something that's it's going to be around forever and um yes. so that's always a support and so that that, that information is also on my website if you do want to support poetry that's where i would do it um right so yeah well we have reached yeah. the end of an hour and yeah. there's so much exciting stuff that you have shared <laughs> we've tempted people with a few of your new poems which is always yes. <laughs> yeah yeah and we want people to know that we want people to know they can find you online at samantha slupski poetry.com um, yep. make sure you look make sure you 
do those things to support poets, particularly those who are not as easily elevated, unfortunately, because of being people of color, people who are non-binary, mm-hmm. people who, you know, are are not older white hat males. I love yeah. <laughs> not dissing all the men in the world, but it is important for us to consciously make space for people who don't have as easy visibility, as easy opportunity. So listeners, I challenge you to do that. Consider spending money on books and other small affordable pieces of art when your budget is lean and more expensive pieces when your budget is fuller. You can do things like support art organizations, even if it's not about buying fancy art. So that, that is my, my call out to, you know, one way we can be kind out in the world is to support art. And truly that benefits us. It it benefits people who create art. It benefits, benefits, excuse me, everybody who gets exposed to art and gets that sense of belonging and connection. They might not feel otherwise. Absolutely. Yeah. So Samantha Slipsky, thank you so much for joining me today. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. And thank you to Daniel Smith, who produces the show, because he lets people hear it. (laughs) So long to our listeners.